Welcome to Talking Events, the event industry podcast brought to you by Event Industry News. Um, once again, being recorded from the IBID offices in Richmond, Southwest London. Uh, a big thanks to the team at IBID for hosting us over these last couple of days. Um, welcoming into the studio today, uh, first of all, Nigel Markey, Managing Director of Markey. Nigel, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, Mark Sorrell, Managing Director of the Pop-Up Hotel. Mark, thanks for coming into the studio. Um, the gentlemen have joined us today to talk about event hospitality, um, a major, major facet of, of any event, regardless of the event type nowadays, um, and plays a huge role in, in the audience's experience of a, of a particular event. Um, in some ways, the secondary spend and the revenue that's generated into events, and I'm sure we'll touch on various different elements of, of, of hospitality and what it means today. Um, before we dive into that, gentlemen, I think it would be sensible, first of all, to just have a little uh, a bit of talking about what it is you actually do and what your own respective companies do. Let's start with you, Nigel. Explain to okay. us a little bit about uh, what it is you do. Well, typically, Marky would provide um, uh, what we call a fully staffed espresso bar service or a fully staffed smoothie bar service or frozen yogurt, and there's about eight of those, uh, which is basically staff, ingredients, machinery, packaged up and used by our clients, typically on their exhibition stands. Um, not generally floating in the hall and, and there's no cash taken, it's an invoiced service. So for example, any blue chip company might be exhibiting, they might wanna have uh, this type of service on their stand so they can make not only great coffee or have us make great coffee, but they can you know, draw clients on or just treat clients to a nice beverage when they get on the stand. So you're dealing with the exhibitors themselves in an exhibition scenario? Very um, typically, but the, also with nowadays with um, the new caterers. So it's kind of developed into other people using it. So there's it twofold there. There's, there's two sort of angles and scenarios that you're going to be working with with, with, with customers and delivering your services. Yeah, we do plenty of um, direct with um, exhibiting companies, although quite often there's a sort of middle agent in there that we would deal with. If it's mm -hmm. a big pharmaceutical company, they would, we would deal with their agency. Um, but we also deal uh, with many exhibition hall caterers where, because they find that they, in order to provide the sort of thing that we do, well, basically they find it diff difficult to do to the same sort of level. Mm -hmm. And and it's what it's all we do, so we're geared up to do it. And, you know, big catering companies like that realise that now. I'm coming across to you, Mark. Um, the Pop-Up Hotel, explain to us what it is, what the concept is, and the service you deliver. Well, the Pop-Up Hotel, we kind of do what it says on the tin. We are a Pop-Up Hotel. Um, the level of service that we offer with the accommodation, which is our primary function, um, depends on the event that we're attending. Um, it could range from as little as um, setting up the tents and maintaining the tents during the event all the way up to a full service event where we provide everything from concierge service to wait service, full restaurant. Um, we deal with power outlets, um, water. In essence, it's a, a mini event to support an event, if you like. Um, we focus very much on experiential stay, which is a sort of recently a formed buzzword. Mm -hmm. um, trying to enhance the guest experience, if you like, and the, and the accommodation service is very much about the experience, which is typically led by the event that we're attending. Um, what's interesting straight away to me is that, is that the, the, the two gentlemen we've got in the Talking Events studio today deal with two 
what on the face of it very very different operations but but fundamentally it's all focused on event hospitality delivering an experience to an end user and to a visitor to a particular event whether that be an exhibition or a festival or whatever the scenario is um how i'd like to start things and get some opinions is that working in the in your respective industries um changes consumer tastes and how much perhaps in the last decade we'll look at has driven a change in how event hospitality has delivered and who dictates what event hospitality is and how it should be delivered as well um yeah there's definitely you know we we you know fundamentally on the coffee side of things coffee is coffee and when we started the company people love coffee and they love coffee even more now so that that isn't changing but you know there are sort of high street trends that happen that we see reflected down the line in in what we get asked for you know people there was a sort of a cake pop phase a few years ago mm-hmm. and then uh, after which we were asked by our clients can we provide cake pops to you know put on the exhibition stand so um yeah the two sort of mirror each other um fundamentally tastes have become more sophisticated in all aspects, haven't they, of, of, of consumerism. Um, and this is why I, I'm guessing that something like the Pop-Up Hotel is now at Glastonbury. So people can go to a, a festival and have a, quite a luxurious experience. Um, h- how did that originally come about, getting involved with, with a major music festival that traditionally people would have said is just pitching up in a muddy field with a tent for a weekend? Yeah, well, let me just first... <laughs> yes. Let me first, just first state, first of all, we are an independent company to the, mm-hmm. to the festival. We do operate completely independently and just outside the festival bounds itself. So um, I'm a Somerset lad. I'm from Somerset, and I grew up, thankfully, with what I believe is probably the best festival in the world. Um, so my background is property and property development, and I did some master planning for some very small boutique resorts in the Caribbean. Very lucky to do that. And that translated into the formation of pop-up hotel which adds a transient element to a boutique style hotel Um, but I think you're right I think it's driven by the consumer and the consumer is becoming more sophisticated probably more demanding Um, and I think events now take a place in the lineup with people as another vacational holiday in the year and it takes that level of importance so if you can draw a bit more and an extra few ounces of enjoyment from that experience you know i think it's very much lined up alongside the family holiday um as a great experience for the year um and and the services that people demand associated with that are in line with their expectations and 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 is that uh, i mean i don't know if you can answer this but is that because there's a different type of audience participant going to these events um people who wouldn't have gone to them 10 years ago who now will go to them because you're there or are these the same people that have always been going? They just want something a little bit different, hence the opportunity for you to deliver that service. Yeah, I think we're definitely reacting to demand. I think the demographic, you'd have to ask the big festival guys, would know a lot more about that than me. But we're certainly on a much smaller scale reacting to the demands of the consumer. And I think there is an older demographic attending festivals now. Um, and we've grown up with festivals. Um, so festivals perhaps 
and there's so many of them in the UK this year and other events, not just festivals, of course, sporting events, and they each appeal to a slightly different demographic. So you might have some festivals that do still appeal to very young people who want to roll around in the mud and collapse at the end of the night in a muddy, soggy tent. And then there's a slightly uh, more mature audience who still want to party, still want to have a great time, and, and it's very important to them, but they'd like in some creature comforts, they need some peace and quiet, some basic amenities and and that range is we're lucky enough to operate two brands so we, we we operate from the pop-up motel which starts about 150 pounds ahead all the way up to the hotel which is a separate brand our primary brand which is more on the luxury end of things but when i say luxury um the perception of luxury is very different because we're still in a field we're still under canvas um and not all of our accommodation, for, for example, can even be en suite. The top end of it does have en suite bathrooms and hot and cold running water. But the bottom end is, you know, the lower end entry level is a very nicely furnished bell tent or yurt with access to some clean toilets and showers and on all the things associated with that. So it's a, a redefinition of uh, luxury, if you like. It's and of course, not. we're seeing glamping, you know, become a, a more and more uh, key part of a festival's own offering and uh, as you do as a as a, a as a, an independent company that comes in and 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 provides a service that is very much in demand now um nigel i'm interested you explained to us the the, the the process and how your services are delivered via exhibitors for example at an exhibition yeah. um how are you able to actually interact with and tap into the feedback from the actual end users either people drinking the coffee in order to then continually sort of develop your own business i know you said coffee is coffee but yeah. it's perhaps dumbing it down because i think people's tastes really have developed and, and their love for coffee has grown an awful lot in the last yeah. in the last few years um how, how can you actually meet and find out what they're wanting well you know we're all coffee drinkers ourselves so we just um we yeah, we, we haven't done any specific research where we've taken you know feedback from the delegates that are attending the uh, exhibition booth i mean our clients you know, a lot of the work we do is 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 in the pharmaceutical industry. You know, the, you know the compliance departments of those industries are very strict on what you can and can't give away. Um, so there's a certain amount of sort of statistics that are taken uh, by those companies from their delegates. But you know, generally not. You know, generally not. Did you like your experience? And would you want us to make the coffee any differently? You know, that's just just what we have to do. We have to research the market, and um, we don't follow trends because you know quality is is the key and that's still what's missing from a lot of coffee drinking experiences a lot of experiences full stop generally yeah yeah. so it's 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 not it's a no-brainer you know just keep the quality and improve the quality it's just that's it that's the research it's not just the, the quality of the products, though, I, I, I No, no, I everything. You know, the, service, the, the moment. The service that they're getting yeah, is the now moment critical, when, isn't it? When, when somebody walks up and, and has a look and see what they're like, and it's, it's from that moment, you know, how they're greeted, how they're offered, what we have, the little bit of interaction, the smile, but, you know, keeping one eye on the, the other people that are approaching. Don't keep them waiting too long. The whole, the whole thing is, you know, it's, it's instinctive for us now, but um, it's definitely what's missing in a lot of other industries and locations because i think for a long time in this in this country certainly we, we were guilty in terms of our the, the hospitality experiences that we offered to customers in any scenario was was limited by comparison to, to, to other countries i think if we're being brutally honest and and um as i said that it's not just the products that people are demanding to be of a higher quality or, or of a different quality and a different standard and, and more choice 
but it's also the people that they're interacting with and how they're dealt with, isn't it? Um, when you're delivering yeah. a high-end temporary hotel offering, it's not just about the facilities and, and the quality of the, of the actual product itself, is it? But it's the people that you've got there on site, presumably. Definitely. And I think this country is making great strides. And in the event industry in particular, we have a huge amount of talent and a lot of creativeness. And you can see that sought after worldwide by production teams um, flying all around the world to develop you know, for, for, for such a short season in this country, the amount of great quality, top quality festivals and events we put on is quite phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, but it is about service as much as infrastructure, as much as a good place to lay your head to sleep. Um, and we're learning fast in that regard. We're partnering with some great companies. We did a street food outlet this year. In fact, we had an excellent coffee um, outlet, <laughs> unfortunately. What? Not Nigel's, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But, um, you know, co you know, it, people are more demanding across the board of the quality of the food, the quality of the service, and all of that makes up a great experience, and that's what we strive to deliver. Before entering the market, how, how, did you get the opportunity and you take the opportunity to go and see how it was being delivered elsewhere and, and to, you know, do any hands-on research into the level of hospitality, service, and product that was being delivered in outdoor events, in indoor exhibitions... Um, how often do you guys actually get out there to test other people's offerings and find out what other people are doing? You mean in the in doing what we're doing in the situation that we do it? Mm, yeah. uh, occasionally, occasionally, you know, it's a little bit cheeky walking up and uh, you know might be recognised, but we, we, we obviously yeah, we we do a little bit of that sort of research. Um, you know, our competitors don't you know they we don't want to sort of criticise anyone, and you know they're they're doing a good job too, but it's um. You know, you got sort of. There are a few. You know, that when a new player comes into the industry, you know, they sort of tend to make some of the old sort of undercutting mistakes and that sort of thing. Which, <laughs> but um, you know, you soon realise that you have to sort of deliver something, and you have to charge the right price to deliver it properly. And um, uh, so yeah, we do a little bit of research of other people's products, but uh, not a huge amount. It's fair to say that we've been, we've become more accepting as a nation of the concept of paying more for a, a willingness to pay more for a higher quality of, of service and product yeah. haven't we mark yeah definitely i think we're more yeah we are more demanding as a nation and coffee's one of those things that you know it, the days of the hot plate coffee which sat on the side you know burning away that we quite happily paid a quid for are gone we're looking for you know top quality coffee such as i'm sure nigel provides so similarly in what we do mm -hmm. yes we did research um i'm not fortunate to have visited all the festivals I'd like to have done or, or been to all the hotels. You know, our, our um, inspiration, if you like, comes from conventional hotels or boutique hotels that are slightly uh, unusual in their form. So we're, we're very unusual in our form. From the basic setup of the hotel, we have all the elements that you'd expect or that we can provide in a temporary facility, but they are defragmented to a, to a sense. So the rooms are spread out over a much wider area than a conventional bricks and mortar hotel. So we certainly, that's where we look for our inspiration. And we're, we're lucky enough that we have some top hoteliers staying with us at these events. Um, and I'm speaking with some of them. In fact, I'm meeting with one of them tomorrow, in fact, to get some advice about delivering a premium service at that level mm -hmm. and transfer that to the festival industry and to the events industry. Um, how, how much of a focus is there or how much is there of, of an awareness to maintain the vibe if you can call it that that people want from going to a festival whilst being able to deliver luxury because surely they're going to a festival because they do want a certain experience that, and yeah. you've got to try and 
surely give them that experience, but give them the luxury and ultimately give them what they have paid for as well. Yeah, you've hit the nail right on the head there. I think that if you go to a great festival, and there are many in the UK, and you, you, you're looking for a bit more comfort, perhaps you've got several options. You could stay with a company like ours. You could stay internally in the festival in some instances. You can stay in a conventional hotel. But I think the problem with staying in a conventional hotel, you get a high level of luxury comparatively. But it's you don't encapsulate and you don't maintain that excitement, that feeling of the experience. So if you imagine, you know, you're at Glastonbury, fantastic festival. You buy the obligatory Glastonbury hat and you think you look great. And you do in that environment. Everyone's having fun. And then you rock off down the road in a chauffeured limo to a five-star hotel you don't feel so great walking through the foyer in, in, wellies. in, in wellies and a sequin, you know, 10 gallon hat, which um, we try and keep people in that vibe. Obviously, we, we try and perhaps offer a, a higher level of service and a higher level of facility than than you'd be able to get for the mass market in a festival, but still give them that great excitement because that's what they're there for. Ultimately, we are a bit part, although we like to think, you know, we, we offer a, a lot to a potential guest, but the primary aim obviously is to attend the festival and keep that excitement buzz going and uh, and i suppose it's it's again it's it's a it's a different relationship um in your your scenario nigel but but nonetheless one that, that, that that's geared around creating an, a good experience for people yeah. uh, but also for, for, for the exhibitors and i think maybe we should touch on on this on the service and how the exhibitors yeah. that you work with who are delivering then your services to their customers mm. have demanded more and what the interaction level is like between you and, and, and the, oh, directly with the customers. Yeah, we find um, one of the hardest things for us is to sort of, is innovation. And we focus on it a lot. Um, but it's, it's, it's getting harder, uh, you know, increasing the range that the client might expect. Um, because after all, you know, you can, whatever, you may have great quality, great staff, which we have, of course, but after you know, ultimately, when if somebody comes along to us and then they walk along to a competitor stand, they they may appear to have great stuff and, and and a nice coffee machine and be producing nice coffee, which they probably are. So we've got to think of new things, new ways of doing what we do to to stay ahead. And you know, clients kind of expect that. So you know, we we sort of Pantone match coffee machines. So if a client wants a machine in their colour, we do it. That sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we we do the you know the the, the shaking of the chocolate logo on top of the cappuccinos of course but finding new angles to do just new stuff is is getting harder to do you know you can do all sorts of we've done blue smoothies you know to match client <laughs> wouldn't recommend drinking it but um there's no way of making a blue drink by the way that should be drunk it's yeah. very hard <laughs> yeah. but um so yeah that side of it is uh, it's, it's hard to do but we we talk about it a lot you know about staying ahead of the game and coming up with new ideas you know, transparent coffee machines, the whole thing. We discuss everything. Because pe- people are more savvy to how their brand is perceived, aren't they? Yeah. Um, now, I don't know what level of, of corporate interaction there is in, in your facility, Mark, but you mentioned the fact that you've got hoteliers that come and stay with you. Um, have you been approached yet to, to look at how any brands or any sort of the, the, that branding element can be incorporated with what you do? We're not, I wouldn't say we're an overly corporate company. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have, obviously we're proud of our brand and we like to represent that well, but we don't logo everything out. We don't have great big banners. We don't have flags with our name on and that kind of thing. And and consequently, we we tend to work with smaller boutique companies that we're, um, 
where we're, uh, you know, a name I can pick up the phone and speak to my equivalent MD and we can work out the deal. So local companies like Orchard Pig would supply our cider, for example, for Glastonbury. And that's very important to us because they're very local. And as a local guy, I want to support them. But I think it's part of that festival experience or or whatever the event may be, is drawing on that local um, experience and local produce. Will, will we ever reach saturation point in terms of our demands for better hospitality no longer you know, growing? Will we reach a point ultimately as consumers where we think, no, we, we can't really get any better than this, we're satisfied? Or will it always continue to evolve in people's tastes Oh, change and develop. You know, certainly in our industry, I don't. You know, once it gets to a, a level whereby what you're consuming, drink and beverage-wise and food-wise, if it's fantastic and you're being served it in a great way from a great machine, can't really get any better. It's more about sort of maybe trying to spread that. So other companies do it too. You know, sort of spread the word. So you know, the whole industry gets more used to that sort of thing. You know, typically it's been difficult. Um, I would say for, uh, particularly in our industry, for venue caterers to be able to provide that this type of the type of thing we do, which is why we work with them. Now, you know, XL work with us, and we're talking to Barcelona Exhibition Centre. Now, that would have been unheard of ten years ago, even um, because you were sometimes met with sort of we we can't do that sort of coffee bar service, but. Um, we're not going to do it ourselves either. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of, you can't come in. We, we're, we're the sole sort of providers of, of food and beverage. But no, that's changed. Now that's changing. And, and venue caterers are talking to people like us, which is great. You, you've now taken it outside of the borders of the, of the UK. Um, and and yeah. we're looking at the wider market now. Um, because the world has become a smaller place, hasn't it? You know, we, we, we live in a world now where we, we can understand and, and see very, very quickly and easily what's happening in other parts of the world. And people are... Uh, are better travelled now. They, they've experienced different cultures, different countries. Um, Mark, you mentioned that, that you, you've undertaken projects overseas. Um, people's hospitality demands in any walk of life, and we take the hotel industry, ultimately at some point that's what's going to feed down into the temporary events industry, isn't it? It's their experiences that they're getting in permanent situations on an everyday level. Um, any experiences of, of how foreign cultures and, and, and the global hospitality industry has then now fed back into the UK market. Yeah, I definitely think that's happening. I mean, I personally grew up in um, a very North American culture professionally. I, I was born and bred in, in the West Country and then left and travelled and worked overseas. In a very, and I think that the Americans typically are very demanding in the hospitality industry and they have to deliver. Um, I think we're catching up rapidly with that. I think we're much more innovative, though. To come back to your early, earlier point, it's have we reached saturation point or will hospitality reach saturation point? I don't think it will. I think it will continue to evolve. And, and I hope what we're doing in a small way is part of that evolution in that we are, we're not providing conventional luxury anymore. Uh, what we provide isn't inexpensive because our production costs and travel costs, but we're providing something is much more of an experience, but it's a special experience. And I think people are searching for that more and more than rather than that conventional luxury. So more marble, more gold taps, more television channels. Um, you know, um, that is, you know, certainly for the higher end clientele, they, they experience that in business travel. What they're looking for now is, is, you know, and we've all experienced it, a great experience doesn't necessarily rely on money. It doesn't necessarily rely on 
lots of the conventional luxury, so-called luxury products. It's about family, friends, that shared experience in a great location, experiencing that environment. And that's what I think the events industry does so well in the UK. And it's continually evolving. And I think that's mm-hmm. exported to, to, to the world. I mean, uh, the world looks, you know, of course I'm biased, but I believe the world yeah, looks yeah, the UK. Uh, absolutely. And we've had a number of, of, of examples and scenarios, haven't we, in recent years where we have been the focus of the attention and been able to deliver and do it very, very well, which means that there is an argument that we're leading the way. Does that put more pressure on on UK companies and UK suppliers that are working within hospitality to actually maintain standards and even, you know, and and seek to improve them? The fact that there is perhaps a pressure from the outside looking in that we are the leaders in in delivering some of this stuff now? Uh, I'm sure it would if, yeah, yeah, I I think it probably does. You know, um, yeah, I can only sort of keep relating it to the sort of thing that we do. So, you know, other other companies in other parts of Europe and, and in the States have seen, I don't know, maybe there's something uniquely British about how we have done it, what we do. Because you, you could say it's, you know, it's an Italian sort of style coffee mm-hmm. served. I don't know, you might even say the customer service is kind of American or North American sort of feel. I, I don't know, or, or would you? I'm not 100% sure about that, but maybe we've wrapped it up and packaged it up and maybe what we do is do it is the British way. Maybe that's been seen by other countries that we travel to because we're, you know, people that, as I said, there's a venue in Barcelona and one in Milan who are now talking to us, trying to work out contracts with us. And we've got two um, venues in the States that are sort of trying to bring us in. So maybe that's what they're seeing. Would, I just think it's good service. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I think they're, they're experiencing. Yeah. What would, um, what would your thoughts be on, on the fact or from where I see it that, when we do it well, we've always been able to do it better than anybody else. Any form of hospitality, whether that be yeah. a restaurant, a hotel, an event, an exhibition, a conference. When we do it well in, in, in the UK and in Britain, we do it yeah. really, really well. But for a long time when it came to hospitality, there was only a small percentage of us doing it well. Yeah. And the rest were guilty of letting the side down. And all we've done really in recent years is increase how many people. We haven't changed it completely. We've just increased the percentage of people who are acknowledging the fact they need to do it well. Yeah, I'd go along with that. Yeah, I think that's that's true. <laughs> um, I, I, I hate to sound negative. I'm not sure that we've always done hospitality well, or, really? or even at the pinnacle. Yeah, I think um, not for me, not for my own personal taste. I think that um, sometimes it's too stuffy. There's a lot of high-end hotel chains that are no longer in vogue or no longer the pinnacle because they haven't moved. So they are still they still think that you need starched whites and a black tie and a three-piece butler suit to provide good i think it's more relaxed than that i think as a as a nation probably worldwide we're looking for more we still want great service of course we do we want great products and i think uh we can deliver that but i think some of the some of the older establishments have been slower to change in the uk yeah uh, yeah i i think there's been, you know perhaps a slow uptake you know I, I still my own opinion is that you know i've seen great examples of people doing it absolutely brilliantly and, and beating beating everybody else hands oh, down um yeah. I, I also think though that our, our culture of not um complaining yeah has been a factor in not driving forward yeah. better quality hospitality because if if we were more similar to other cultures that will tell people straight away that there's something wrong, people will then react to it. Um, what, what, what would you have any thoughts on that in terms of our culture of perhaps not not saying what we would like to say, um, and that meaning that we've we've taken a while to catch up. Well, 
Yeah, the the sort of Brits had a reputation for providing sort of poor, the poor quality food. The people th- thought the food here was poor, didn't they? When they used to visit, the food's terrible, as the Americans would say. Um, and maybe that was reflected in what you would be offered at any event from in your hospitality. It probably was. Um, certainly was in the coffee years ago. But um, uh, maybe now now that the, the the British taste for in the high street for beautiful restaurants and pubs and those sort of lovely, you know, Michelin star sort of places. Maybe that is now, is, is sort of hit a note with people and they, they want that wherever they go, even if it's a Congress or a hospital. They want to have, you know, on the edge of their exhibition venue, they want to have decent, proper catering rather than sort of, you know, stuff that might have been dished up years ago. Mm. So. I, I, I'm, I, I'd be curious to hear if, if any organisers out there wanted to get in touch with the podcast, um, Use the Twitter handle at Talking Events. I suppose what I'm curious about is with so much to plan and deliver when it comes to event content, and again, regardless of whether that be an exhibition, a conference, a seminar, a music festival, a concert, um, a fashion show, the pressure is on to deliver content for the organiser. And I'd like to know how much effort or how much thought is actually being put into the hospitality side of things from the organiser and how much of it is left and relied upon that their contractors or their suppliers will actually just see to that for them. Um, I don't know if you can offer any thoughts on that now and how closely you've worked with with event organisers themselves in terms of what they're offering maybe. And you mentioned you're working more with venues now. Yeah, venue um, caterers. Nigel. Um, venue what, what, caterers. Okay, I think it's difficult, difficult for organisers because I don't really understand, you know, really that side of it. But I guess that an organiser picks a venue and then the venue will tell them this is our this is our incumbent caterer that you'll use when you come here. So it's difficult for that incumbent caterer to perhaps provide the sort of, you know, throughout the exhibition hall, you know, 50 spots of high quality, you know, service. Whereas they, what they used to, what they will do fantastically is 10,000 sandwiches or, you know, or, or, you know, 20,000 filter coffee pots, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. type of service, you know, and that's what they're there for. It's just purely the size of these places. They have to have a big caterer in there that can cope with the big stuff. So maybe um, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's been difficult for all, because organisers never get involved with us directly. They don't contact us. It's just not, why would they do it? They go to a hall and they, there's the caterers in the hall. It's yeah. then down to the caterers to work out whether they want to bring us in or whether they want to try and do it themselves. So. That's uh, did, the situation as it stands. Money is inevitably always a factor. D- d- does profitability hold back or, or, or create a conflict sometimes when delivering high-level hospitality? Um, keeping it in the event scenario, you know, they're under a lot of pressure to, to turn a profit or to make sure that it's at the very least breaking even, not losing money. Um, does it play a part in them not delivering high-level hospitality? Oh, that's a good question. I, unfortunately, I probably couldn't answer it and from the point of view of an event organiser because Mm -hmm. really we're focused on the hospitality side but yeah I think it's incredibly difficult when you look at the larger festivals and and rather in Nigel's area they're going to a a hall as you say or venue centre you know festivals and events that we're involved in are much more free form so they're going from a greenfield site to a fully built village yeah there's so many components involved in that so many aspects and of course it's a business you know um to a lesser or greater extent there has to be a bottom line and it has to turn a profit but um i think the key is finding the right partners and being able to rely on them and even at our small scale 
you know, each year we, we contract with some, what we hope will be great partners and they're not, they're not always, um, you can't be all things to all people, which is what I think Nigel's seeing in his business where venues are increasingly outsourcing quality coffee and juice bars because they, they, they are realizing they can't do all of it themselves. Um, and we even do at our scale, um, we contracted out this year successfully street food vendors, which is very in vogue. But street food is a classic example in the UK of a very informal food source, mm-hmm. but done to a very high quality. Um, and it's fantastic. You know, the burgers they're turning out of a small um, temporary structure are better than you can get on the high street by a considerable margin with handmade hickory sauces. And, you know, it is yeah. fantastic. So there's a great wealth of creativity and advancement in the hospitality services available to you in well, the country. I'm just, just reading a quote here. Um, Jonathan Siegel, who's the CEO of the One Group, is quoted as saying, um, hotel operators should leave food and beverage operations to outside contractors and focus on filling rooms to boost profits. Um, so to an extent, concentrate on what, what they're fundamentally there to do and bring in people who are more qualified than them to do other aspects of that. Um, I'd be interested to hear from organisers um, with their thoughts and their comments on what they're doing to, to improve levels of hospitality in, in all aspects of the event industry. And as we've said today, that there's all sorts of different markets. We've got, we've got events, we've got conferences, exhibitions, outdoor festivals, um, a lot of town centre and city events now that are doing really good hospitality and, and street food, as we've mentioned. Um, it would be great if we can get in touch with some organisers out there to find out how they're addressing the issue of hospitality and how they are identifying and accepting the fact that their customers demand an awful lot more. Um, we're going to wrap up today's episode um, by thanking Nigel Markey for joining us. Nigel, thank you. Thank thank you. you very much. Mark Sorrell, thank you for coming into the studio and talking to us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. The uh, video of the podcast will be available to watch via the Event Industry News YouTube channel and via eventindustrynews.co.uk. Um, you can also now subscribe to the, uh, to the podcast via iTunes. Um, tweet us your thoughts, comments, um, any suggestions for future episodes. At Talking Events is the Twitter handle. Thanks very much for listening. This has been Talking Events.